I truly think it helped me save somebody's life or prevent a hospitalization. And it's things like that, that it makes you feel a sense of responsibility and almost duty to, you know, share what you've learned and how you can best help patients. I see my victory so clear. I see my victory so clear. It's a day we break through. It's a day we break through. It's a day we break through. It's a day. What is up, Fit Farm fam? Welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, where we empower you to make a breakthrough and dispense your full potential. My name is Dr. Adam Martin, and I'm your host for the podcast. I've been a practicing full-time community pharmacist since I graduated pharmacy school back in 2012. I'm also a professional speaker, author, and lover of living life to the fullest. The Fit Pharmacist community exists to serve you to dispense your full potential by learning from our world-class guests on how to practically apply simple solutions to not only elevate your pharmacy career, but nail your nutrition, master your mindset, and fit fitness into pharmacy through simple solutions to guide you to live a fulfilled life with passion and purpose. Thank you for being here. Now let's dive into this week's new episode. If you're looking to mind your meds and really grow your experience as a pharmacist, how do you do that? There's so much information out there, let alone what to focus on, how to build that, and how to become the go-to expert. Where are we to turn? This is exactly why I brought the expert on the topic to the podcast. He's one of what I call the OGs in the pharmacy entrepreneur space, and I am so excited to introduce him to you all who have not met or heard of him before. Today we have Eric Christensen, who is a clinical pharmacist passionate about patient safety, geriatrics, MTM, and clinical pharmacy. You may have heard or seen on Facebook, MedEd 101. He is the founder and owner of that very blog, MedEd101.com, a valuable resource for practicing healthcare professionals and students alike who are interested in learning more about the practical application of clinical pharmacy. He has also created Real Life Pharmacology, a podcast designed to teach pharmacology and provide some real-world insight on the practice of clinical pharmacy. He has two wonderful children and the best wife in the world. By leveraging technology, social media, and the tools of the internet, he obtains 30,000 page views to his website per month, along with nearly 30,000 podcast downloads. Among his professional accomplishments, he is board certified in geriatrics and pharmacotherapy. He has been quoted in the Wall Street Journal, American Journal of Nursing, written Amazon bestselling books, and has helped thousands of nurses pharmacists, and prescribers become better at medication management. Eric, welcome to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's an honor to be here for sure. Thank you, man. It's a long time coming. We were talking before we started. So I graduated pharmacy school in 2012, but just around that time is when you started this whole business, this whole movement that you have. So you've been doing this since 2013, correct? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's hard to believe it's been that long at at this point. And, you know, I I remember reaching out to the blonde pharmacist and the honest apothecary. And I don't think those two are actively blogging as much, at least anymore. Yeah. 
And, you know, I, I remember reaching out to them in social media platforms and saying, you know, hey, what do I do? How do I do this? Just, you know, basically looking for permission to do it because nobody was really doing it at that time. And, you know, they were very supportive and I remember their encouragement and, you know, I, I just just took it from there because I, I did sit on the idea for quite a while. Yeah. And I think that's ingrained in our pharmacy mindset is to be cautious, be safe. And that's definitely 100% polar opposite from, you know, entrepreneurial things where you have to actually take action and what's safety. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And being a a perfectionist and things of that nature, it, it doesn't go hand in hand with entrepreneurship because there's so much to, to learn and create and do. And you uh, have to take action rather than overthink things for sure. Exactly. And I think that is a huge testament and source for people listening to this who are looking to do that. So back in our day when, when our, I guess, click of OG pharmacy entrepreneurs first started, it wasn't very commonplace. It was like, wait, what do you do? You're a pharmacist. You want to do more? Like why? But now coming back, so that was back in 2013. Now in 2020, we've all been doing this for that long. Uh, people, everyone's doing it. Everyone's got a blog and a niche and everything else. Yep. So people that are listening, students and pharmacists are faced with this two prong kind of double edged sword where it's like, you know, do I have permission to get started? I was trained as a pharmacist. I want to be perfect. I want to do these things. I have no clue how to get started with business or just getting into my passion. Maybe they don't even want to create a business, but they want to dive deeper into what that is. The second issue is people feel just like we talked about, everyone's doing it now, so will what I do even matter? Like, won't that get lost in the chaos? Um, So I think a great way to answer these questions is to go back to the source, to where you started, where you had an idea, you were thinking about it, and you didn't feel like you had permission to do that. And I know things have changed a lot, but I think that's part of great value with you telling your story. Uh, So if you could bring us back to the OG beginnings of 2013 when you had that idea and now coming way back to current day in 2020, talking about what that started like and what that looked like, what your evolution was for creating MedEd 101. Yeah. So my, my initial inspiration, if you will, I recall, you know, being a long-term care consultant, I did that full-time and we would travel, you know, that, that's kind of part of the deal with long-term care consulting and, and maybe one of the downsides for a lot of people, but I didn't mind it too bad. And one of the big advantages of that travel time is sometimes I would be with another pharmacist going to a facility. And I remember our car ride conversations and, you know, me being a, a younger professional at that time, leaning on, you know, years and years of experience. I could throw out those questions, you know, what do you do in this situation? What do you do in this, this scenario? And I remember enjoying that and that energy that, that went along with that. And I just felt like, wow, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't it be great if I could share some of these common problems, some of these common issues that we see in long-term care. And so from that point, I took that energy kind of started, you know, coalescing ideas and, and jotting down notes basically as I was was working and really wanted to share that education with long-term care nurses. And 
So I started to do that specifically just on Facebook, created a Facebook page and shared it on my own personal page. And I, you know, was friends obviously with some, some players in the long-term care space. And, you know, they were very receptive and they say, Oh, you know, this, this is great. This is really interesting. You know, that, that type of thing. And that from that initial instance within about three to five days of, of sharing some things, uh, it was very obvious to me that, you know, people were interested and, and did find value and did find benefit. And from there kind of kept the ball rolling. Now, what I didn't really anticipate, and I, I probably should have if I would have thought a little closer about it, but that immediately went into pharmacy students, young pharmacists and pharmacists that are looking to get more clinical education. That's the audience that really started kind of pouring in. I, I anticipated it to be long-term care nurses, but really the audience that started pouring in was, you know, those pharmacists looking to do more clinical things. And so from there with MedEd 101, that's been my primary target audience, if you will, is, you know, pharmacists, clinical pharmacists, students looking to, you know, go through the residency process and learn that, that education piece. So, yeah. And then I think the biggest key, I guess, secret is, you know, here it is six, seven years later, I've blogged twice a week consistently for basically six, six plus years. And that's, it's challenging at some points where, you know, you, you get a little worn out, you get a little tired, but as you get into your journey, you'll get these boosts of energy where somebody reaches out with the kindest email saying that, you know, your case on phenytoin that I read the other day, I truly think it helped me save somebody's life or prevent a hospitalization. And it's things like that, that it makes you feel a sense of responsibility and almost duty to, you know, share what you've learned and how you can best help patients. I love that. So that's really the, the key. And, and what I find in helping students and pharmacists to create their own brand and really get deep in their passion is they get really motivated or excited. Like they listen to this podcast and they're like, yeah, I'm going to do this. Yeah. So they go ham. They like, I'm going to write two blogs a day and post 10 times on Facebook a day. And they do that for a few days or maybe even a week or two, but then they just burn out because it's not realistic. So that is what my advice was to myself um, was I'm going to stick to something I can consistently do no matter what. Some days, some weeks I'll feel like I can do more. Some weeks I'll feel like I can barely do it, but I'm going to consistently stick to that long term, no matter what, but not expect any sort of glory or reward or anything yep. for a good 10 years. Yep. And that's literally what entrepreneurship takes is doing a full-time job for 10 years without expecting any income. Now, that is not what really happens, but if you yeah. go into it with that expectation, that will set you up to stay in the game long-term as opposed to, oh, I'm going to crush it and be a billionaire and quit pharmacy in a month. Yeah. 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 Where's, that, where's that quick course I can buy? Yeah, yeah ex exactly. exactly. Yep. And I can, yeah, speak to that a, a little bit. I mean, I, I did it for really the joy of, of doing it and sharing some of those case studies and, and stories and hearing other people comment on them and things like that. And I told myself I was going to do it for six months and just kind of see if it had grown or if, you know, nobody was taking to it. And like I said, within a, the first few weeks, I definitely noticed that, you know, people really, really enjoyed it. But I, I continued that path you know, I, I basically made, well, I probably lost, you know, 10, 20 bucks a month in, in website hosting 
yep. for a year and a half before I really actually tried to start creating things and, and asking what people wanted and helping to share information in, in a premium type situation before. So that was a year and a half of, you know, essentially donating my time. And I think, you know, probably just like you, it, it's hard to get out of the mindset if you've been an hourly or salary employee, just like, okay, I've given up five hours of my week, 10 hours of my week. Well, how much money could I have made, you know, at 50, 60, 70, $80 an hour, whatever you're getting paid? How much money could I have made if I had gone and worked at a pharmacy doing that instead? And it's like, well, I wouldn't be excited about it. I wouldn't be passionate about it. And it, and it wouldn't, yeah. you know, bring joy to add that much pharmacy time onto to my workload. And I think that's the, the big difference is like you had mentioned from the beginning, finding something that you enjoy or finding something you do surrounding your expertise that you can do in your spare time and it doesn't really bother you. I mean, that's, that's kind of a little bit better way I frame it to people. Yes. It's like, what do you find yourself doing uh, in, your, in your spare time that's, that's kind of in line with your, your expertise, what topic area or, or whatever the case may be? Exactly. And I feel that that's why the people that have in our space that do commit to that and do that long term, it's because it's founded on the passion of they have a strong why and it just evolves. So, for example, I'm very interested in learning from top mind people in pharmacy who make a big impact like yourself. So naturally, I would just reach out to them anyway and have a conversation, set up a call and just ask them these questions. But I thought, well, not everyone is, you know, outgoing and whatnot, but they want this information. So I'm doing it anyway. Why not just hit record? And that was <laughs> what caused the podcast. Yep. And then I started to realize not everyone's animated with their hands and, and, and is weird and goofy like me. So I'm like, well, if I put that on video, it'll like trick people into learning, but also be entertaining. So that's where that came from. I do it anyway. Yeah. Yep. Um, I have an interest and a drive for it. Um, but what's interesting that you said is you tested, and I thought this was really smart. You had a passion. And you just kind of tested the waters. You tested the market to see if there's, there was a demand there. And what's interesting is you pivoted based on that response. So initially, you thought long-term care nurses, this is my niche. But based on the response of new grads or pharmacy students about to graduate, having that real need for what you were offering, you kind of turned that and pivoted it. And then that actually led to other endeavors in your space for example, helping people prepare for the BCPS exam, yep. which I think is huge because with pharmacy being so competitive, if you're looking to get in that clinical space with resident and so forth, that's a phenomenal uh, certification to, to get yep. uh, with that. So you help a lot of students and pharmacists in that endeavor as well. Yep, exactly. And I, and I try to teach, you know, within our, our courses and our education, I, I try to teach the real life practical stuff. And you know, that's a lot of the, the type of stuff you're, you're going to be asked is to determine in a, in a case or a given situation, you know, there might be three, four different options that are reasonable and they may be used in a given situation, but, you know, you've got to be able to decipher, you know, a, a drug interaction or a contraindication or recognize that from a case that's maybe presented and tease out what the, the best option is. And those exams are very, very difficult for sure. I mean, the, the pass rates on BCPS and ambulatory care, geriatrics, I mean, they've, they've ranged in the 40 to 70% pass rate. So 
they're they're not easy and there again i think a lot of people don't take them for the fear of, of failure in all honesty but yeah with with the competitive job market and everything going on if if you're looking to to do some things clinically it's hard to uh hard to ignore certification at, at this point whether you like it or not yes i hear you with that so that's kind of what what is neat with evolution and what people are looking for listening to your customers or your clients or your friends or however you want to call them is that led to your next endeavor which was just released last week which I'm really excited to have you share. I don't want to steal your thunder. So <laughs> looking at people that are in that space of new grads and pharmacists looking to dive deeper into their clinical skills, one of the needs that they were kind of asking you for that you delivered on was concerning drug interactions. So tell us about what just happened with that. Yeah, but uh, three, four days ago now, I, I had the, the goal to finish it up by the end of, of 2019 and uh, released my book, Clinician's Guide to Common Drug Interactions in, in Primary Care. And this was definitely something in the back of my mind. I remember a conversation, I think, with a student four or five years ago. And yeah, you know, just this discussion about, you know, drug interactions and these computer systems flagging all these drug interactions, you know, what, what are we supposed to do about it? Yeah. And so that's what I try to portray. I tried to tackle at, at least the, the top 200 drugs plus some other notorious drugs within that book and really tried to kind of display the clinical thinking or critical thought process when you see a drug interaction. Okay. How, how severe is this interaction? What's going to happen if they, they take them both? You know, have they been on them for forever? Can we change one of them? What can we easily do to manage some of these interactions and, and know what to do with some of these interactions? So that's a lot of the stuff that I, I try to tease out in that, that book. And I, I really wanted it to be more than just a pharmacy book. So that's why within the title, I included primary care because, you know, I, I've seen it so many times. So I've, I've worked in long-term care consulting. So I've seen it with physicians, nurse practitioners in geriatrics for sure. And I've also worked in an ambulatory care clinic. So I, I definitely understand the frustration that they go through in trying to determine, okay, you know, what do I do about this? Can I, can I just, you know, check a level? Can I, you know, do I have to stop the drug? Do I have to pick something else? What do I need to do? And so I, I go through case scenarios within that book, as well as kind of describe some of the most common interactions that are going to come up in clinical practice and really uh, questions as to how to approach a case. Because what you do in one case definitely might not be what you're going to do in, in another case, depending upon the, the severity of the, the illness or what the patient's going through or a whole host of factors that may impact. So definitely excited about that release. Uh, always fun um, and nerve wracking to, oh, yeah. to release something like that. You never know if it's going to 100% work out or, or not, but very, very happy to, to have it done. And yeah, hopefully we'll, we'll make some hay with that one. Well, congratulations, because that's such a common question um, as a preceptor that I hear from students that are, you know, in their fourth year pharmacy school or new grads yeah. is, you know, there's so there's this like alert fatigue, yeah. specifically with uh, psych drugs is the first thing that comes to mind that I see on literally daily basis. Trazodone, how many patients take just trazodone? Like yeah. Zero. 
zero, <laughs> unless you're giving it to a dog, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like that flags with everything and you, and you see it all the time. But if you look yeah. at the actual interaction, it, it sounds catastrophic, <laughs> like death, like what, what, yep. what heart attack, what? So then you look at like, you know, adding Wellbutrin, which is so common, yeah. adding it onto an SSRI, but you get this alert, but you're like, wait, everyone's doing it, but it says it's bad. Yeah. What do I do? Yep. So I think that's such a perfect need to be addressed because you cannot go one day, let alone one shift, regardless of how, how long your shifts are, in uh, definitely speaking from representing community pharmacy, but really any area of pharmacy or healthcare professional. So primary care, I think is a great target audience. But you know, when patients say like, Oh, I looked this up online. Yeah. Why are you giving me stuff that interacts? You know, you're the doctor, you made that call. What are you going to do? Yeah. And then you might call your pharmacist. And so what are you going to say? Exactly. You, you nailed it right on the head. QTC prolongation, serotonin syndrome, you know, when, when do I need to worry about it? And, and those are a lot of the questions that I pose and, and try to tackle and, you know, other things you should look at, what other meds are they on? And yeah, I try to tackle some of those, those cases and, and develop that, that thought process kind of within that book. So that's definitely the, the target, target audience, those young physicians, those young nurse practitioners, PAs, pharmacists, of course, as well. So Hopefully, I provided some, some good clarity and insight on a lot of different uh, drug interactions. Well, I think it's brilliant. It's definitely needed because as a preceptor, that's one of the most common questions is like, when is an interaction not a big deal, Yeah. right? Yep. And, and the answer is brilliant. It depends. Yep. It depends because you might see, and, and the, for me, like, and I ask every, every patient just to follow up uh, that has an interaction, uh, we have hard stops at pickup just to make sure that, you know, it's legit and everything else in case... The doctor has been clarified and whatnot, but you know, you might talk to 30 patients in a row. They're like, Oh, I've been taking it for years. I know about the interaction. No problem. But you'll have the one patient that just started this. They're very sensitive to interactions and they have pre-existing heart conditions. So that's totally different. And you have to take this as a case by case basis, yeah, not for sure. Oh yeah. Trazone interactions. No problem. Just ignore the DUR. No, no, no. You've <laughs> got to be patient specific. So I think that overall mentality is a great way to go into this topic, but diving deeper into the clinical pharmacy aspects of that with how that interaction manifests and then taking that info paired with the patient and their history and everything else. I think that's a brilliant approach and I think it's a need that definitely needs to be addressed. But thankfully, yeah. you did it, man. So congratulations. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely exciting to have that released. And yeah, I've gotten some positive feedback on it so far too. So hopefully that's a good resource for yeah those, those young healthcare professionals trying to wade their way and, and figure things out. So tell us the title of the book and where they can get it. And I'll link that in the notes as well. Yeah, Clinician's Guide to Common Drug Interactions in Primary Care. And you can absolutely find that on Amazon. And I'm going to put a link on meded101.com slash store. And you can find everything I've created since the beginning of time on that page. So I, I do need to update that link today. I'm going to get that out and uh, make sure that uh, link to that new book is on there. That's awesome, man. So guys, like I said, I'll have that link down below in the show notes so you guys can get your copy. Uh, very low cost, but very high reward. So definitely recommended resource for you. Now, talking about how people can reach and interact with you, uh, where are the best social media platforms to do that? Yeah, I'm probably most active on LinkedIn. So Eric Christensen, BCPS, BCGP, you can find me on LinkedIn. Also the, the contact button on reallifepharmacology.com. That's my podcast. 
and meded101.com. Both of those go right to me. And I will say, if you don't hear from me within probably three to four days, definitely don't hesitate to, to reach back out. I'm usually pretty, pretty quick on emails. And if it's been probably more than a week, went to spam or I missed it or, or something quirky happened. So don't take offense. I, I really do try to uh, reply to every email that I can. Gotcha. And I want to give a, a shout out to your Facebook and Twitter because that's how I first heard about you many, many years ago is in my feed. I just keep seeing these questions, these polls, like multiple choice. And I'm like, well, I am so glad that I'm done with pharmacy exams <laughs> that, you know, you study this, but they teach that and there could be two or three answers that apply, but yours are really cool. And it's interesting how you started doing that way before those options and social media were kind of a marketing strategy or a strategy for growth. Like if you look on uh, Instagram stories, you got the poll function, the question function, and you started that before it even was like the gold standard of driving yep. engagement. So mad props to that because you were doing that before people even knew what that was. <laughs> well, again, you know, there, there, there it was. I mean, I, you know, you're, you're kind of nervous about things and, and trying to figure it out. And it's like, I've come across questions before and it's like, yeah, you stop and like, you know, am I, am I smart enough to know that or not? You know, and yeah. it's kind of a little bit of a challenge to yourself. And one of the unique things about social media is you, you don't have to answer. So if you don't think you know it, it's like, oh, I'll just look and see what everybody else is saying. And yeah, it's not like you're taking a, a final exam where you got to put down something. So I, I think people really uh, appreciate that and uh, can learn some things from it too. So it's, it's a good fun way to kind of get some education across and also to let people know, hey, you know, maybe I don't know this topic as well as I would like to do and, and kind of gives them a little assessment of where they're at, maybe in relation to other healthcare professionals or pharmacists or, or whatever. So I think that's brilliant. And I think we covered some really great topics for you guys of how to grow your clinical skills as a pharmacist. But then also, if you're looking to create a personal brand, where to start with that, you know, the, the mindset that you need to have, the intention that you should set, and just a realistic view, like this is what it takes. It's going to take time and patience and the investment of both, as well as resources for growing. So if you go into it with that and stay true to your brand, just keep at it. Stay in the game. Do not quit. It sounds simple, but until you put that into practice, that's why so few people, people quote, make it because so few are willing to do that. But if you approach it with that mindset and that intention, I think that will serve you very well, just as it did with today's guest, Dr. Eric. Yeah, I got one more quick story for you. Do it, do it. I initially, when I first tried to create a product to create something, I created this PDF, you know, 30 medication mistakes, which I now give away free on my website. I created this, I'm gonna sell it for five bucks. You can go pay five bucks, easy digital download. You know, you'll get it in your email box and created this, was pretty proud of it, excited. I'm just like, oh yeah, you know, people like the blog, they'll, they'll like this and sold absolutely zero for a period of, of 90 days. And, you know, it just it's just that one more lesson that you're not going to figure it out right away. And if you are, kudos, great job, but expect that you're not going to figure it out right away, that it's going to take a while and it's a puzzle. And every day I'm still working at it, trying to figure out what people want and make sure that they need it and all that sort of stuff. So it's challenging, it's time consuming, but goes back to enjoying what you're doing. You can keep going and, and you can do it. 
Exactly. You got to enjoy what you do because you're going to be doing it for a long time and it's going to require patience. Um, but yeah, that, that reminds me of when I launched my first coaching business. I was so excited and I like declared it on social media and I was like, yeah, I'm going to retire and do all this <laughs> stuff. And I got like one like in an hour. And I'm like, what? <laughs> yep. <laughs> what is this? Yep, um, exactly. But, but yeah, so if you guys are putting in time and you're really excited about something, but you don't receive the response you're looking for, don't let that discourage you. That's just a sign that you are starting and everyone starts there. Everybody, yeah. all the OGs, everyone I've had on this podcast, myself, especially, I mean, I feel like I'm always starting every day. Um, but don't let that discourage you. You really have to view that with that mindset of I'm going to stay consistent with this. And there are times to reassess like you did, Eric, and in, in six months in yep. to see like, is this working? Do I need to change? You can still stay true to your passion, but just tweak that just a little bit. And that will see how you can be best received by your audience. Um, but guys, this has been an awesome, awesome pleasure to finally get one of the OGs back on the podcast uh, to meet you too. Uh, it's been awesome hearing your journey and really inspiring for those listening, looking to start on their own. So uh, Dr. Eric, I just want to recognize you for all the work that you do for pharmacy, for clinical pharmacy and helping pharmacists and pharmacy students to really dispense their full potential. So thank you so much for the work you do and living your passion. Hey, it's awesome to be here and yeah, keep doing what you're doing and, and helping people as well. I mean, that's really what it's all about. Amen. Guys, this is Dr. Adam Martin with the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast, signing off with the Dr. Eric Christensen. Go forth, be great, and dispense your full potential. Thank you so much for listening through to the end of that episode. I hope you're going to share this all across social media. Let people know that you're subscribed to the Fit Pharmacist Healthcare Podcast. Let me know. Post it. Tell me how it's impacted your pharmacy career and life. I would love to see your thoughts. I can't wait for this amazing and passionate community we're creating of leaders and healthcare. You're now a part of the movement, a part of the family. Thank you for being here. I can't wait to share the next episode with you.